to all the bacon and eggs you have. We are a Parks and Rec uh, rewatch recap episode episodic podcast. That's a good word. Yes. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in and checking us out. I'm your host, Mikey G, with Mr. Back Bacon and Miss Hannah D. Hi, everybody. Hannah D up in the hizzy. What up? Here to discuss one of my favorite women that ever uh, non-existed. <laughs> that would be. Uh, she's quite the superhero, Mrs. Nope. Man, she's awesome. One day I want to be half the woman she is. Same. I feel like I am half the woman she is. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, we 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 sat down and we decided we wanted to do this uh, podcast because we're all three big fans of the show, um, and that's kind of how we've kind of bonded. Um, Dylan and I are longtime watchers of Parks and Rec, and. Uh, we kind of got Hannah turned on to this show about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, about a year ago. Because we, we, we kept saying, you know what? You're, you're such a Leslie she Nope. Is, she yeah. is a Leslie Nope. Yeah. Through and through. Tried yeah. and true. I've seen your binders. Clipboards. <laughs> clipboards. Notes. Highlighters. Yeah. Very well organized. Although I was re-watching it today uh, just in preparation for this podcast. And in one of, uh, I think it was episode three, when she breaks into the gift basket oh, and drinks yeah. all of the wine. And she feels really guilty about that. That was one of our only differences. I was like, I would have drank <laughs> that wine <laughs> and have thrown that gift basket in the dumpster. <laughs> like, <laughs> but awesome. I, I do, I admire Leslie Canope. Canope. <laughs> well, you know, I, Dylan and I have talked about this at length before, the, how, how you remind us of Leslie and, um, you know, just overall attitude and uh, up upbeatness, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's not a word. But yeah, yeah. Up, upbeatness. Is. Upbeatness. Yep. Upbeatness. Urban dictionary. Yeah. yeah. And just your overall demeanor. Uh, you're always positive and uh, looking to get everybody, you know, positive yeah. as well. And that's one thing we love about you. We are also both bottle blondes, Amy Poehler and I. So <laughs> that's another similarity. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to uh, participate in this podcast. So thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. And uh, Mr. Backbacon, yes, how'd sir. you get turned on to Parks and Rec? One word, Ron Swanson. Oh, dude, he's my hero. That Just one is, word. Yeah, one word, Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson, one word. I really like, uh, he's 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 quite the manly man, but just the way he goes about it is just real, uh, real monotone about it <laughs> and really doesn't care what anybody says or thinks about it at all. That is very and true. And his views on government are outstanding. Yeah. It's... You know, you and I have had a lot of political talks, and uh, I, I think I think you're very much in line with Ron there. Uh, kind of a libert- libertarian trapped in a Republican's body. I, I, Some, that's yeah, that's fair to say. <laughs> me, personally, I think it should all get burned down on the ground and there we dance go. on its ashes. But that's me, you know. I love the meme that's been floating around that says, uh, I think America needs to be single a couple of years and really find herself. And exactly. That's a, a little bit off topic, but yeah, I, I totally see that. So, yeah, I'm... I'm 
stoked to uh, discuss this show that's about government during this time in our country's history. Yeah, so, about public service. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, about real... Selfishness. You know, yeah, selfish... Selfishness. Selflessness. Selfishlessness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's take a second. One thing uh, we are not. We are not a professional podcast. We are not going to be able to break this down with behind the scenes facts. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we we are not experts on acting. I know Hannah has dove into method acting and uh, more recently because of your acting class. Right. So you'll have a better insight on that. But we're not, you're not a classically trained actor. Right. I mean, I've taken several, you know, master classes. Um, one specifically that I'm really proud of with Berkeley. But nice. Uh, I've also watched I studied Glee. I a cow. It's fine. I've also watched Glee, you know, twice. <laughs> so I think that you're honestly in. gives me uh, the credentials yeah. to speak on oh, this. She's an expert. So I think uh, you're just as much of an expert as everybody else on YouTube. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that you and I are more along the lines of uh, we're just two dudes that enjoy nice cold beers and great comedy, and uh, you know we 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 know what's funny and what's not, and what isn't funny and what is. There you go. Absolutely, man. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's art. So that that's what we're, we are not. We are not a professional podcast. We're just three people sitting around talking about one of our favorite shows, and that's what this podcast essentially is going to be. Um, one thing we are. We're huge fans. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we also, I think it's important to uh, also mention that we're also all from, you know, Arkansas, from the southern, more southern region. Uh, where we live currently, all of us, is relatively more rural, not as rural. city. Uh, definitely going to be more southern, small town, which is why, another reason why we feel like we relate so much to Pawnee. Pawnee. You know, yeah. it's obviously in Indiana, right? Yep. Uh, it's a, you know, false town. Pawnees, where the show takes place, and also a small town, and you have these civil servants that are acting like they are running New York City, you know, in Pawnee, <laughs> and I think that's another reason why you why we relate to that is we yeah. we all know we know what's up, you know, we all know people that could have participated in this show in real life. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. We all know, and we ever we we all know people in our lives too that relate to a lot of these characters. Right. <laughs> We've talked about that many times. Yeah. Okay. Um. First and foremost, let's get some information on Parks and Rec itself. Um, I, I know you've got some facts. Um, I do know that it was created by Greg Daniels and Michael Schur, uh, both from The Office. Greg right. Daniels created The Office, you know, one of my other favorite shows mm -hmm. that I've seen a million times. And uh, Michael Schur was the, uh, the the showrunner for this. NBC came to him basically and said, hey, create us a show. We don't care what it's about. Just create us a show. Well, and they, they kind of, him and Greg Daniels got together and, said, hey, we've got something on the private sector with the paper company. Mm -hmm. How about something on the public sector? And uh, I know both him and Amy Poehler were huge fans of the West Wing. Mm -hmm. So this is a very much feel of the West Wing as well. You'll yeah. see quite a bit of the walk and talks that they do a lot Definitely. on the West Wing. And So what are the facts you got? Definitely. Well, I think that it's safe to say um, that most people that are listening to this podcast have probably found this podcast because of their interest in Parks and Rec. I don't think that we need to go over... Or us. You know, I mean, I don't feel like we need to go over, you know, things that somebody who may have not, you know, may... Somebody that has not watched the show... We may turn somebody on. That's true. Well, I, that's beside You know, it is... Yes, but... 
Um, I think it's safe to say that uh, everybody here is just as much an enthusiast as we are. Um, so one of the fun facts that I've got here, uh, according facts. to insider.com. So this is insider information. What? Okay. What? Yeah. Insider. I mean, I found it on Google in like, 2.5 like seconds. need like a, a, like a breaking news. Who's in charge of sound effects? What? Who? Whose Dylan, job is that? He had one job. You need a color-coded paper on a clipboard. <laughs> I do. I do, Leslie. <laughs> That's literally what I need. Literally. <laughs> literally. Uh, but uh, with Parks and Rec, uh, like Mike mentioned, definitely, you know, going to have Amy Poehler starring, which is one of the reasons I like the show. But the show's original title was not Parks and Recreation. It was actually public service. What? And according to Insider.com, which is all insider knowledge, uh, when the New York Times asked NBC co-chairman Ben Silverman why the show's creators decided to change the title to Parks and Recreation, he explained... You can't make fun of public service. Worried worried because we don't want to seem mean about it. So public service is one of the things that they ultimately considered was too serious. To, it's, ta- it's taboo. Yeah, so parks and recreation was the next best thing. You can make fun of the parks people. Nobody gets mad. Yeah, and it's very specific at that sure. point, too. I like that. That's yeah, pretty sharp. I do, too. I do too. So uh, they don't they don't want to be mean. It was all meant to be humorous, which <laughs> it is. It's beyond humorous. It's uh it tickles the funny bone. It does. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, even just hearing the intro, Dylan was over here giggling. Oh man, I, it, it does <laughs> like something inside of me. A schoolboy <laughs> in an eighth grade bathroom. I mean, <laughs> how did you? He was know? like, they love that music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, another another fact according to Insider.com. Again, Dylan, you're not. You're falling down. (laughs) Okay, uh, Chris Pratt. We all know Chris Pratt. Okay, he's hunk. Uh, (laughs) Meow. Not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not in this show. He is in Jurassic Park. You know, but not in Parks and Rec. He's. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Chris Pratt was cast because of his work on The O.C. Really? So I know that some people listening, if you're in the younger generation, you're probably not going to know what the OC was. Negative. But the OC was a teen drama. Um, it had uh, several, I can't even think of their names off the top of my head, but it was definitely like a, um, uh, let me think of something that, it had Lauren Conrad and. Ooh. Uh, oh, LC. Yes, but it had. Um, That's all I want to know is she married Jay Cutler. It was about these <sighs> these teens that were living their life on the California coast. It must and, have been you rough. Know, very dramatic, you know, teen drama it's a hard type life relationships, that kind of thing. Uh, so anyway, but Chris Pratt was, and if you notice, I watched today that first episode, and it says in the credits, guest appearance mm-hmm. by Chris Pratt, and it just I, it's funny to me because you actually told me a fact. That he he was in every episode but one or something. Yeah. Or he was in every episode. Yep. I think I think he was in every it, it was every episode. I think. Yeah, we'll fact check that. But yeah. he was never meant to be a permanent cast member, right? Which is he crazy because, like, I I don't know. I think that he's one of the more pivotal characters in there. Like, certainly. He reminds me a lot of my brother Landon. Oh, really? Like just his goofy antics, and he kind of looks like him in the face. Yeah. He's yeah. He's a trip. He's hilarious. Um, But the actor played an activist on nine episodes of the OC. Uh, Co-creator, Michael Schur. Is that how you say that? S-C-H-U-R? He also played Moe's on The Office. 
So here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-creator Michael Schur's wife, J.J. Philbin, wrote on the show at the time on the OC and recommended Pratt for the role of Andy Dwyer. So just another what? great nice. uh, example for you younger musicians and actors out there. You know, networking, bruh. 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 Networking. I'm OC, bruh. This dude Golly, landed bruh. this road, this road, this role <laughs> on... Uh, Parks and Rec, which ultimately became such a huge success for him, just uh, by networking. It, you know, and a lot of Third. actors get pigeonholed. Uh, you know, the really, he's the only breakout star to come out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Aubrey Plaza's had a few other major roles, but I mean, he's become a megastar. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it just—it's—it's it's very uncommon. Yeah, it really is, and he's like I said, he's done a great job he did a great job with his role it was so fun seeing him kind of settle into that character mm-hmm. i like how he was uh you know he was in those casts for a while and i like his antics where like he would he would have the little scratch stick <laughs> and he would go down in there and scratch stuff with us you know <laughs> so funny just thinks- you know we we talked about uh off air we talked about characters who changed from the first season on and uh, his character develops but i feel like he's probably the closest uh, at the very beginning of the the seasons to the very end, yeah, to his character, yeah. I, I feel like his character it has some arches and stuff in there, but I, I feel like for the most part he stays true to his character from yeah. the very beginning. Gotta yeah, appreciate he, that. He does for sure. Um, okay, one uh, another fact from Insider: uh, Ron Swanson is actually based on a real government official, a woman. It's based on a woman. I've seen an interview. I've seen an interview Michael Schur did on this one. Um, where him and Greg Daniels, uh, they met someone, um, they, they didn't, they said it was in California and it's an actual woman who's a libertarian working for the government that she does not believe in. Oh my And she gosh. even said, Hey, I, I, I see the hypocrisy in it. I get it, man. Uh, the irony is not lost on me. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. And then the fact that they told people that's even funnier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> the actual, the article that in order to make sure that the world of parks and rec was grounded in reality, which is actually, I made some notes on my phone. And that's one of the things that I color coded binder. Wrote. You guys, uh, <laughs> let's all just try to remain positive <laughs> and understand. I'm doing this for the betterment of the program. The program. Program. Uh, but Daniels ensure, like Mikey G just said, spent time visiting different local governments while developing the show. And one anonymous Burbank official ended up inspiring Ron Swanson, who's played by Nick Offerman. I just can't believe it was a woman. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Does she have a mustache like him? Because if so, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> Second wife, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wow. So funny. And she, yeah, apparently she said, yes, I'm very aware of the irony. <laughs> so funny. I wonder if she still works for him. I feel like the character of Ron Swanson had to be developed from an actual character. I just feel like that's... Yeah. It, that that have been so hard for somebody to to dream up. Yeah. Well, so. I've I've seen some interviews that they've done, and a lot of his character, and yes, his belief systems that you know is based on a real person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of who he is is based on Nick Offerman himself. Yeah. Um, he is a craftsman. He's a woodworker. Yeah. Um, they they just incorporated all that into the show. I mean, but that's his that's his day to day job. Like he he's not even a full time actor anymore. He's a woodworker. woodworker. He, that's what he does. So funny. And we also just watched, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but the show about McDonald's on Netflix. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. The Founder. The Founder. 
and yeah. Nick Offerman plays one of the brothers. One of the McDonald's. Really? Have you seen that yet? No, not yet. You would like it. I've it's heard. Good. I need to. A lot of people told me to watch it. I just. Yeah, you would like it. Hadn't watched it. But he it, does. He it, plays one of, McDonald, one of the McDonald. One of the McDonald brothers. Oh, McDonald's. He's a very uh, uptight, uh, by the book, by the numbers type person. It's really? it's very it's very different, and it's it's kind of cool to see though. He's yeah. a good actor. It's neat to see the versatility there. He can, you know, he can go from here to there and still pull it <laughs> off. It's incredible. I wonder if he has grandchildren. I don't know. He does. Uh, I've been reading his book, uh, Paddle Your Own Canoe. Yeah? It's a really awesome book. If you, really? You, yeah. Uh, as soon as I get done with it, you can borrow it. Can't have it. You can borrow it. <laughs> Can't have it. Yeah. I like audio books. Does um, he talk about Parks and Rec in the book? He does a little bit, yeah. Okay. But it, it's more along the lines of where he came from, how he came to be who he was. And he uh, he grew up on a farm out really? there and uh one of the one of the one of the yankee states up there more than yankee but um up north. but yeah he, he goes on he, he's a obviously his biggest idol is his dad um and his dad's biggest idol was his grandpa and it's cool because you get to learn about the grandpa and the dad and then it trickles down you can see kind of where he gets all this all this uh this nick offerman material there because nice. it's, he lived it you know so funny pretty cool stuff that is and great. i really love his mustache it's an awesome mustache. It's a good it does mustache. Have a good mustache. <laughs> it does have a good mustache. All right, next fact, according to Insider. Um, we kind of just covered this, uh, Insider. Uh, I'm not sure why this fact was placed here, but we're going to roll with it. Andy wasn't originally supposed to be a main character. So the character was initial by Chris Pratt's character, was initially written as Anne's deadbeat boyfriend who would be written off Parks and Rec after season one. However, the writers liked Pratt's performance so much that they decided to make Andy a lovable series regular for the rest of the show. That must be quite the impression to have somebody that created the show. And I'm, I'm sure that they do like a season at a time. Surely they can't just do episode by well, episode. The, but the first season, I think, was only six episodes. It yeah. was, it was a, they, they, they did the six. Uh, basically, it's an extended pilot. Gotcha. And so they're not sure if they're even going to get picked up for season two right. at that point. So, But just to have that impression of like, hey, man, we were just going to have you for a couple, but we're going to rewrite everything because we want to keep you. Yeah. Like, that's that's pretty cool. Well, you know, that's and, and I tell people, too, all the time, you know, if you like The Office, you'll like Parks and Rec. It's a little different. It's got some, some of the same humor, but it's a little different. The first season takes a little, you got to get past the first season for it to really hit its stride. Yep. Right. So but after I, that, it's a... The first season is, isn't the best representation of the show. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I want, I wonder if Chris Pratt possibly had something else booked. I don't understand why you would only, uh, sign him on for season one. I don't know if that was the show's decision. I don't know if that was Chris's decision. I just wonder if maybe he had another gig or something booked and I mean, I'll call him and see what he says. Yeah. Holler yeah, at him. Holler at him. Yeah. Let's get him on the phone. Dude, knowing, <laughs> how, knowing how weird Chris Pratt is, he might actually respond. Yeah, you're right. He would probably just show up here one day. Like, hey guys, it's uh, it's Andy with uh, Mouse Rat here. Uh. <laughs> you know he's an you know he's an alpaca farmer. Are you serious? I'm dead in Seattle. In Seattle? Yep. Like it, wow. He is a huge Seattle Seahawks fan. Lives in Seattle. And he and he has an alpaca farm. Wow. Not even joking. So what do you do with alpacas? You shear them. Share you share them. Shear them. Oh, with for their for their shear coats. Them. Yes, I thought you share them. So like, what hey, do you do with alpaca fur? Is that like a? I, there's is that more, what's? Oh, <gasps> that's what's inside of pillows. Alpaca bag, and we'll go up to Seattle and find out. That's goose feathers. That's down feathers. No, 
It's Eat alpaca geese's. fur. That's why I'll, I sneeze at night. You, you may have you, you may have a pillow with Chris Pratt's alpaca pillow. No, I'm going home to rip that sucker up. And, <laughs> does he put tags on his stuff? <laughs> Find out real quick. All right, moving on. All right, moving on. Main characters like April Ludgate and Jerry Gergich Meow. were created specifically for the actors. And honestly, again, that's not a fact that I would want shared about me personally as you know, as the actor, because each of these characters are um, different in their own ways, respectively. But, you know, I don't know. I, I would definitely want people to think I was just playing a part. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want that. Well, um, you know, Aubrey Plaza, uh, the, I've, I've, uh, the another interview that I've listened to is the person who was doing the casting for it, I think is also the same person who did all the casting for The Office, mm -hmm. basically was just bringing people in for interviews. And this girl was so weird and so <laughs> odd that she told Greg Daniels and Michael Schur, you have to meet her. And they specifically wrote a part for her just because she was so different and so weird. And I love that. That's pretty cool, I though. I love that. Um, but it says Schur was introduced to Plaza after Parks and Rec casting director Allison Jones Allison called Jones. him and said... I just met this girl, and she's the weirdest person I've ever met. <laughs> what an honor. Minutes later, the actress visited his office, and after an hour of masking sure, more, oh, I'm sorry, making sure, God, what's on my brain, more uncomfortable than I've ever been, he decided to write a character for her on the show. Um, that's crazy. Jim uh, O'Hare? Jim O'Hare. Jim O'Hare, who plays Jerry Gergich. Uh, initially auditioned to play Ron. Yep. However, Daniel sure told the actor that they wanted him on the show regardless and came up with a part for Jerry. So he got the sympathy character, it sounds like, which is the perfect. The punching bag. Exactly, which is perfect for his uh, real character. Uh, I did I did notice, too, I, I was reading something earlier, that they gave him such a perfect family away mm -hmm. from work just to kind of make up for <laughs> <laughs> them being so bad to him. He's, he's married process. to like Christy Brinkley, I think is who yeah. it is. Yeah. That's amazing. I love how everybody's like, how did that happen? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's an ongoing gag. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Gary Gergich. Uh, okay. The exterior of Pawnee City Hall, which is filmed and featured almost every episode, uh, is actually a real City Hall building. Uh, in reality, Pawnee City Hall is actually Pasadena City Hall in California. So are those paintings like legit? No, this no. is just the outside shot. Oh, so this okay. is the exterior shot. They actually used a real exterior city hall. They, um, they did say the paintings were based off of actual city hall murals. Uh, those that, paintings are brutal. He said there are certain places <laughs> that you go into city halls and some of those murals depict, you know, acts just like that. And make you feel super uncomfortable. And I feel like that's definitely like more of your smaller towns, mm -hmm. you know, people maybe that don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely smaller towns, I feel like. Uh, I listened to that. one interview they did. Um, uh, Michael Shore was talking about Bill Hader uh, got married at City Hall in Idaho, I think it was, somewhere in Idaho. And he made them cover up some of the murals with white sheets because it made everybody feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> well, there's there's that one on there on the show where it's a, uh, and I think it's in the first episode, the first or second episode, where uh, 
There's like an a, an Indian chief that's tied to a tree, and then there's the soldiers with a cannon, like point blank range, like fixing to light it. Like this is what happens whenever you blah blah blah, and then with the Indians. <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy. The the first or second episode too is where they they're walking by, and Leslie is showing Anne all of the murals, and they've got pieces of paper taped up on the murals because they have class field trips, and one of them is like this piece of paper, and it's like blood all under it. It's ridiculous. That's fantastic. Uh, but in reality, Pawnee City Hall is actually Pasadena Hall, <laughs> City Hall in California. City and Hall. Uh, the building has also appeared in Charlie Chaplin's classic movie, The Great Dictator. Whoa. And on other TV shows like Mission Impossible uh, and Big Bang Theory. So what is what? it about that one particular building? I you wonder. know, it really is. a. Looking at the image that I can see here, it is just, it, and I'm sure everybody can think about this if you've watched the series or you can google it but it's a very classic city hall Small town and it hmm. it and it says city hall so maybe that it hmm. it's just a good exterior because it doesn't have a town name on it i don't i don't know huh. that's pretty neat Did i not, not know, know that it was in all the other stuff charlie chaplin wow yep interesting yep all right next fun fact is the theme song was selected uh through a contest so, really? can you play us that theme song again? Yes, play it, play it, play it. Play it, play it, play it. So Dylan can laugh and giggle. <laughs> giggle. <laughs> like a little schoolboy. In an eighth grade bathroom. <laughs> Is that a flute? Interesting. What in the name? I don't know. I don't know instruments. If, if only there were people at a music studio that could tell me what those were. That <laughs> that was definitely um, like band. That was style. good stuff. It sounded more like a violin than it did a, a, a flute to me, but I don't know. Really? <laughs> I could see it. I could see like a high school. <laughs> High school band doing that. But here's the information about it. When Parks and Rec still didn't have a theme song, uh, they were mere weeks before its series premiere, and the producers hired uh, the company BMI, which is in Nashville. Zach and I have visited there, to send out a mass email to all of their uh, writers requesting themes from composers who only had five days to submit. What? The winners were songwriters Gabby Moreno and Vincent Jones, who were, la- who were later nominated for an Emmy for their upbeat, cheery theme. So that lets you know that if it was if it was just two individuals, that these people pretty much sat in their house with you know a computer and went through and tracked all of these different instruments. And I'd, I'd like to hear some of the. I'd like to hear some of the songs that weren't picked. That, that would be cool. That'd be pretty cool. I'm sure those are long gone. I'm sure those are in the bottom of some I, I wonder email. if any of them got used for something else. You know, that name, Gabby Moreno, that sounds familiar. I wonder, what else does she do? Was she on American Idol? That does sound like an American I Idol. Don't, I don't really know. Gabby Moreno, wow. Gabby Moreno. It's a no from me. <laughs> oh, she's actually Guatemalan. That's amazing. Singer-songwriter. Okay, so professionally known as Gabby Marino, or Guatemalan singer-songwriter and guitarist. Her music ranges from blues, jazz, soul, and she sings in English, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. Wow. She's my hero. 
She's also won Latin Grammys. What? Yeah, good for her. Good for her. Good for you, Gabs and Vincent. Uh, but yeah, they were they were nominated and Gabby their and stuff Vinny. got picked. That makes Cute. me wonder: Do those people receive a check in the mail every time that theme song gets? Sorry, kind of royalties. Or royalties, or, did they buy or was it a one-time payment? Well, who knows. I would have picked the royalties, me personally. I know, yeah. but if I were Parks and Rec, I would pick that one, one time. time. Especially if you yeah. think it's only going to be six episodes. and Yeah. Because hmm. anytime you do a show like this, I mean, you you don't think you're going to make it past the first season because 90% of them don't. Are you right? Yeah. This one sent it. <laughs> sent it. They sent it. Sent it. Okay. Uh, Nick Offerman, who plays Ron Swanson, and Adam Scott, who plays... Oh my. Ben. Ben. ben Both auditioned for the role of Anne's love interest, who was named Josh. And that character eventually became Mark Brandanowitz. Brandanowitz! 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 So can you imagine if either Nick Offerman, weird, or Adam Scott played Mark Brandanowitz? That'd That's be crazy. really weird. I could see Adam Scott with Aubrey Plaza because they're both kind of weird and yeah, awkward. Totally. I knew Adam Scott. Uh, I, if, if I remember correctly, I think Adam Scott. Um, he actually interviewed, um, uh, auditioned for several of the roles on The Office as well. Yeah. So uh, he's been around a while. And let's just take a second and talk about these names. Have you made it that far in Amy Poehler's book yet? When she no. talk- Okay. So in her book, Yes, Please. Which is fantastic. She, I made it, it about, I'm like, I don't know, I'm like an hour and a half in. Yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend for sure. I, I need to read it again. But it not around great. kids. Definitely not around children. She likes the F-bombs. She does. Yes. Which is why I like her. <laughs> uh, but Mark Brandanowitz, and this is spelled, y'all, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-A-W-I-C-Z. Wow. That yeah. makes my head hurt. That sounds Polish. But she actually talks about just the absolute ridiculous names that they came up with. And she goes through, you know, in one part of the chapters, um, about talking about these names and how they came across all of these just you know just when you think about leslie nope she's literally she says yes to everything i mean she's she's the charge forward kind of person and this name is so ironic because it literally is nope nope Nope. with a silent k (laughs) um she said that was literally one of their goals was to come up with these just ridiculously dumb names um, and I think they succeeded with Brandanowitz. I don't know. Brandanowitz is kind of a pretty cool name. Like Brandanowitz. Next time, uh, if if next animal I get, I'm gonna name it Brandanowitz. Brandanowitz. Come here. I'll call <laughs> call him Brand for short. That's awesome. B Brandy. Brand. Oh, come on, bring on Brandanowitz. Right Brandanowitz. <laughs> Actually, I think that's more of like a proper. You could get like a all black cat. And this is our cat, Brandanowitz. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like the litter box. He poops in a toilet. He poops in the toilet. He also <laughs> likes thick, leather-bound books that smell of mahogany. <laughs> he does not, does not appreciate bright lights. He likes his room at approximately 71 degrees. Don't we all? Don't we all? 68's way to be, dude. Don't we all? Anyway, okay, next fun fact. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. This is, conti- according to Insider, this is continuing on the fact that we just talked about. Offerman did not get the role of Josh because he reportedly wasn't handsome enough. <laughs> wow. Oh, my. And this is according. I take, a, I take offense to that. <laughs> the, As do I. And, Dylan, this was according to the actor's book, Paddle Your Own Canoe, One Man's Fundamentals for Delicious Living. <laughs> I didn't know that was the name. 
uh, and played Ron on the sitcom instead. So that's funny that good stuff. He feels like he wasn't handsome enough. Adam Scott, who played Leslie's eventual husband, Ben Wyatt, auditioned Spoiler. for the same role. Yeah. Well, we should preface preface that. Like when we it's only, write been, it's the, only been off the air for a decade. When we write the description yeah, for this podcast, we need to preface that. I actually auditioned for Parks and Rec before it was even on the air, Scott told GQ in two thousand eleven. Is GQ still a thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really, read it. He says, I really wanted it, and I didn't get it. I actually kind of blew it. So I was obviously pretty upset. Is he a crier? So when the opportunity popped up again a couple of years later, I was really excited. I went and had a meeting with Mike Schur, and then it all just kind of fell into place from there. Wow. Okay. Can hmm. you all imagine? The character of Josh eventually became Mark Brandanowitz, Paul Schneider, a Pawnee city government employee who he uh, bleh, who appears on the first two seasons of the show. He's a city planner. Yeah, his uh, he he had this one line, and he it knows was, where the uh, bodies are buried. Yep. Yeah, they were uh, they were congratulating him on the speed bump, how the speed bump was a pain in the neck mm-hmm. and this and that and the other, and uh, yeah, man, you got it down, you got it lowered like four inches, and then he said, "My work here at the government can literally be." Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, be measured in uh, inches. <laughs> you know? And right then I was like, I like this guy. Oh, that's great. I also can't picture like Brendanowitz and Leslie together. Oh, they is, hooked up. I know, which is just so like. Yeah, we discovered that in the first episode where. And she's uh, hung up on it too. Leslie like, Leslie is still uh, pining for Brendanowitz. And uh, he's like, he's like, wait, Leslie? No. Wait. That wait. did happen. Wait, that did happen. Oh. <laughs> like he, he had blocked happen. it out of his mind completely. And she would totally like in or like her character in real life. Like if you were in Brandana, what she is, she would totally be that one that's like it was. I know it was only it was like four or five years ago, but I just can't stop thinking about him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like that creeper. Yeah. Like, All right, look, lady, enough's enough. Takes everything way too seriously. For sure. <laughs> um, all right, Nick Offerman and Aubrey Plaza share a birthday. What? No, I did not know. So that. there you go. What day is it? They are both. They were both born on June twenty sixth. Plaza was born in 84 and Offerman in 1970. We should make a bacon cake on that day every year. Oh my God, that's a great idea. With eggs and then bacon and eggs and bacon, eggs and bacon, then a so waffle. She, you said 84 with her? Mm-hmm. So she's 36? Yeah, that would be correct. Wow. Doesn't Aubrey Plaza's 36. Oh no, my battery's running low. Man, that you, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I hope she's not listening. She's like, oh my God, how dare he? Well, I mean, I, I'm 37, and uh, I just, I, I just imagine she was like six years younger than me. We plug me in over there. I'm plugging plug you in. Plug me in. Fill, fill the hole. Whoa. Okay. Well. This is not the office. Way to go, Leslie. That's what she said. Thanks. Okay. Uh, here are some. <laughs> hold on. I'm still not. Okay. There we go. Okay. You're in. Okay. So uh, here are some cast members that are real life partners that appeared in the show and this Ooh, is hilarious the chismos all right polar's then husband will arnett appeared on season two episode 13 a creepy date playing an eccentric <laughs> mri technician who goes on a blind date with leslie the ex couple i loved it yes the ex couple had previously acted together on arnett's show uh, arrested development and in the comedy film blades of glory starring will ferrell mm-hmm. they were still married at the time yes and they're not now they they're not in a relationship you know who she's, now i think she's remarried to nick kroll which is weird really really yeah i didn't know that 
Huh. Which who also appeared on Parks and Rec. Huh. He's not in he's this insider du- he's edition. He's the douche. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't so know. I don't married guy they, in the douche. They dated. I don't. I don't oh, know if they're married. Are you serious? That's crazy. I know. Him, I know him from the league, and I love the league. Oh yeah, I forgot about that movie too. Mm-hmm. I wish that was a real radio show because I would listen to that one. Mm-hmm. Iris, that, uh, hello, I, it's called Dads After Dark on Wednesday night. Crazy Ooh. Ira in the douche. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that. Is, hello, it's a thing. <laughs> Douches. It really is a uh, thing. Okay. I can't, I can't wait till we get there. I'm gonna add the sound effects in later. Yeah, I was gonna say we need a sound effects man. We hit buttons. Offerman's real life wife, which would be Nick Offerman, who plays uh, Ron Swanson. Uh, Megan Molly, 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 from Will and Grace. <clears throat> That's right. Appears throughout the show as Ron's toxic second ex-wife, Tammy Two. Tammy Two. Infamous. In infamous. I love her. The pair have also appeared on Molly's sitcom Will and Grace. Yes, and that pair was. I mean, you couldn't have acted that out any better. I mean, it was. It's so great to see them together. Like, hilarious. You know, they have a podcast, too. Do they really? They do, and it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I really love them together. It actually is such It was such a fun dynamic to the show. You know, the f- funny thing is they spend the majority of their time talking about puzzles. Wow. They, they, that's what they do. They and do you've puzzles. listened to this. Yes. Wow. And it's, a, it's very entertaining. That sounds like it. But I, I also love puzzles. Wow. Wow. Okay, here's another spoiler, but like I said, I feel like people that are listening to this have watched and rewatched Parks and Rec. NBC got away with spoiling April and Andy's wedding. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the season, at the end of season three, episode four, on which Ron and Tammy uh, briefly get remarried, NBC aired a promo about a wedding registry. However, the registry was for April and Andy, not Ron and Tammy. This was because NBC accidentally aired the promo weeks before April and Andy actually got married on season three. To cover up for the mistake, the network said that the registry was meant to include Ron and Tammy's names instead, and a writer put on the wrong names. Ooh. <laughs> drama. Ex-writer. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Drama. Um, okay, you can actually buy Leslie's book about Pawnee, Indiana. Oh. Now that is commitment. I've seen it. I've yet to buy it. And I don't know why we didn't do that before we recorded this show. Yeah. We should have listened to it via audiobook. Uh, well, it looks like we're going to get a small synopsis here. So you guys are in luck. Sweet. On the season four episode, Born and Raised, Leslie tries to get her new book, Pawnee, the greatest town in America on local media personality, Joan Calamazo. Is that, uh, is that that's how you say that, right? Calamazo. Calamazo book club and you can actually read it in real life leslie you is get that stamp that stance yes. yeah all about that stamp leslie is the credited author of the book which recounts pawnee's fictional history the back cover includes blurbs from characters like tom andy and chris traeger uh who declares that it is literally the greatest endeavor of human creativity in the history of mankind literally literally, literally. and we'll get well, i'm sure we'll talk about Rob Lowe a little bit later on. Okay. Three alternate endings were filmed for the season four finale. The overarching plot of season four is Leslie's campaign to win a seat in Pawnee City Council. Another spoiler alert, which she successfully does on the season finale. But during the filming, the three different endings were shot in order to avoid spoilers and giving producers more time to figure out what they wanted to do. That's when you know you're a popular show, when you need to film yep. alternate endings. That's... Yep. Gotta yep. have options, man. 
a plethora of options. All right, next up, and it looks like we're halfway through. I'm trying <laughs> to get through these. One of Schur's favorite lines of the series was one that was improvised by Chris Pratt. Uh, during the season three episode flu season, a perpetually busy... Have you ever heard this one, Dylan? I don't think so. Yeah, it's, I love it's this. Good. I love this. Pretty good. Chris Pratt's kind of a genius. He really fell into his character. Uh, perpetually busy, Leslie develops the flu. Andy tries to help, saying, Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the computer thing up here, and it says you could have network connectivity problems. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so you guys get that right. I typed <laughs> your symptoms into the thing up here, and it says you could have network connectivity problems. Yeah, Michael sure is on uh, record as saying, you know, I've been writing for 20 years, and I've never written a joke that good. That, that was pretty good. fun. And it was improv. Real good. Pretty funny. Pretty funny for sure. The line was actually improvised by Pratt during a single take. I'm not kidding. As a writer, it made me furious. Uh, sure said of the moment during a 2012 play fest. The camera happened to be on him. He did it once. And I think it's the funniest joke that's ever been on our show. <laughs> <laughs> by a guest appearance star. Right. Well, they have what they call uh, fun runs. So they have, uh, they'll, they'll film what's in the script. Then they'll let the, kind of the cast uh, improvise a little bit, and then uh, you know they'll like say say something different, say something different, and then they'll do a fun run. And at the very end of the fun run, do whatever the hell you want to do. That's basically what it is. Nice. That would be fun. And some of it makes it in, but the majority of it does not. But it makes yeah. great bloopers and outtakes and yeah. stuff. So. Yeah. And that was one of the ones that was a fun run. It'd probably um, be very interesting to see where the actor takes the character for the writers. Like for the future mm -hmm. seasons that they're writing, they could be like, oh my God, that was actually kind of, you know, eh. and they could throw that in there. So. They might be onto something. Might be onto something. <laughs> might be onto something. All right. Parks and Rec correctly predicted Chicago Cubs winning the 2016 World Series. And I'm sure it's well known that, you know, they were in a huge losing streak at that time. Correct? Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, because Parks and Rec season seven aired in 2015, but was set in 2017, the writers made a series of predictions about how the next few years would unfold. On season seven, episode two, Tom visits his ex-girlfriend Lucy, who's Natalie Morales, in Chicago. She makes a throwaway comment about how Chicagoans have been friendlier since the Cubs won the World Series, which seemed unlikely given that at the time the team hadn't won in over a hundred years. But oh. one year later, the Chicago Cubs did, in fact, triumph in the year's World Series. And they got Parks and Rec to thank for it. Yep, they do. <laughs> Great job. Uh, Chris Pratt predicted his future starring role in Jurassic World, fran uh, B, in the role, Jurassic World franchise during Parks and Recreation behind the scenes video. Yeah, he was recording a video, and uh, basically they, they went to everybody, and he was the only one that would do it. And so he started recording behind the scenes videos where he'd interview people and talk and whatnot. In, in one of these, his phone started ringing, and he, go, he goes, oh, it's just Steven Spielberg asking me to star in Jurassic Park 4. What? What? And then a few years later, Man. Jurassic World. What maybe lucky, he can maybe, lucky duck. Maybe he can rub some of that luck off on us. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at his character in Jurassic Park, which is where I was introduced, or Jurassic World, where I was introduced to Chris Pratt, really, Chris Pratt. I hadn't watched the Parks and Rec seasons yet. I, I was really surprised to see his character in Parks and Rec because he Nothing. was quite a bit heavier, different, mm -hmm. you know, just different stylings, the way he spoke, everything was just, you know, quite a bit different from his character in Jurassic World, which was meant to be more mm -hmm. hunky and, you know, more sexualized and all of those things. So. Well, you know, what, what came before then was, uh, you know, he'd had several other um, acting roles on the side where he played side characters, but he was never a leading man. Then Guardians of the Galaxy came along. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so in later seasons, like, bam, out of nowhere, he drops, like, 50 pounds. Yeah. And I remember at one point, like, Ben asking him what happened. He's like, I just stopped drinking beer. That's it. Ugh. That's all I did. Man. <laughs> Man, if only the... Tricks of the trade. Might have to try that. <laughs> Same. Uh, but it's, it's amazing that he stayed on the show as long as he did, because Guardians of the Galaxy was a hit, and mm-hmm. you know, like I said, he had other side projects as well. So yep. that's that's amazing that he stayed committed for the last several seasons. Yeah, I think he really he seemed like he liked the role, so that helps, I'm sure. Um, during a behind the scenes video that Pratt filmed, like you said, he he just you know Goofing did around. a play text message there. That's great. All right, next fact. Amy Poehler said she and Nick Offerman shot a makeout scene for the gag reel of every season. Yeah, <laughs> part of the fun run. I want to see that. The, and, and Michael Schur, every time we tell them, no, we're not including, we're not, they just kept doing it every oh season. God. That's great. <laughs> yeah, during Parks and Rec 2014 uh, uh, Paley Fest panel, Schur explained that Leslie and Ron were never romantic options for each other. Polar, who was also in attendance, cut in to add, I will say, every year there's a scene just for the gag reel where Res- Leslie and Ron make out. Um, and you're right, Mike sure joked, it will never make the gag reel because it's super disgusting to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels weird. I, I bet they get only... all crazy, like they're licking each other's oh, faces. Uh, uh, I, 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 I can only imagine. does not sound good. Mm. Um, okay, next fact. Aubrey Plaza based April Ludgate on her sister Natalie, actually. Um, on the show, April has a sister named Natalie. I was going to say, I thought so. Plaza has also said that her younger sister, who is also named Natalie, influenced her deadpan, apathetic performance as April. Those are very good adjectives to use to describe. Deadpan, deadpan. apathetic. Her character. I have wow. a 17-year-old sister, Natalie, and I get a lot of material for her, from her for my characters, the actress told Latina.com. Just the way that she interacts with her friends and talks about what's cool and what's not cool. Are people on Facebook or are they on MySpace? <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Yeah, I love watching uh, interviews that Aubrey Plaza does. She's just so awkward and weird. It's fantastic. What was that one with... Um, uh... Seth, who's the who's the late night dude? Uh, uh, Seth Myers. Yeah, she she did one with the show. Like she was on his show one time, and the whole, I think it was fifteen or twenty minute span. Like it was just weird. Weird. Man. It was so. It's like, great. Like what do they call it? Cringeworthy. You're just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, yeah, God. just makes you a, a little it's bit good uncomfortable. Though. I but, mean, it's, but there's such a thing as good awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was pushing it. That yeah. was wrong. That was on that ragged edge. I mean, we need to feel uncomfortable from time to time. Stop touching me. Oh, sorry. Oh, not that uncomfortable. Sorry. <laughs> All right. And this is going to be our last fun fact, um, I like these. according to insider.com. I okay? like fun facts. They're fun. They are. And they're factual, too. And they're back. <laughs> well, according to Insider, we can't, you know. Yeah, that's a reliable source is, thing. Uh, yeah, it's on the internet. Duh. Duh. Uh, Amy Poehler suggested the time jump from season seven. So, you know, at the end of season six, you can really feel, in my opinion, the vibes of the show starting to kind of conclude. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really start feeling the edges become a little bit more rounder. You can just feel everybody kind of getting into their long-term life at that point. You know, you've got marriages happening. You've got pregnancy happening. You've got all these different things happening. So you can really feel the, the show start to conclude. So at the end of season six, Parks and Rec surprisingly jumped two years into the future, just after Ben and Leslie found out they were going to have triplets. Polar suggested the time jump because she was raising two young children in real life and did not want to work with babies on the show. 
I feel that. Fair That's enough. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Prioritize. Which you know a lot of that. a lot of sitcoms have to do, and yeah. um, it's just it's just part of being you know on on air for seven to ten years. Yeah. Yeah. So I I I admire that actually, and plus I, when they did the jump like that, it kind of. Uh, it kind of solidifies everything at the yeah. very end, and they didn't want to leave it open to a sequel or right. a reunion, or sure. you know, come back to do more episodes. Even though they would all love to do it, sure. it there's not a story left to tell. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's story pretty well wrapped told. up. Mm. Yep, but I, I definitely, I loved the way I loved how they shot the finale season. I thought it was. See, I remember talking to you about that. Good. I was like, you're either gonna love the last season or you're gonna hate it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good, a good conclusion. So. Good conclusion. That's all I have from insider.com was our resource today. Got to make sure we credit them uh, of uh, facts about Parks and Rec. So what is our our next uh, topic there? Let's talk a little bit about uh, the pilot episode. Okay. Season one, episode one, the pilot. Uh, It's also... Uh, the, the the nickname on it is the one with the pit, I guess is what mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> the pit. Or, or fill in the pit, I think is what it was nicknamed. Um, but essentially, it's the pilot. It's the one you put out there. Uh, and from my understanding, they there there's several shows where they where you shoot the pilot and then you'll submit it to a network, mm-hmm. and then you may come back and reshoot an episode one because the network will come back and say. Hey, we didn't like this character. We didn't like this actor. Blah blah blah. Change it for someone. We want to get this actor on the show. Can you create a character for them? Um, but I don't. From everything I've read, I don't think that was the case here. I think they essentially took the pilot episode and they aired it and they ran with it. Yeah, they they Amy Poehler at this M- time. NBC in her, NBC put a lot of faith in them. Yeah, but Amy Poehler in this time in her career, as well as. Sure. Also, they, they both had such a great reputation in mm-hmm. the industry at this time, not only, you know, with their professional lives, but just their connections and, and things that they have done and completed and and all of that. So, yeah, they, there was a they put a couple of uh, sure fire parts into this. Yeah. You know, they took a chance on several different actors and actresses, but they had a couple of just stable you know, parts. Um, and she actually talks about it in her book. And let's see if this is the part. She has to start dealing with two things. Younger men telling her they are proud of her and older men letting her know they would have sex with her. <laughs> Both of these things are supposed to be compliments, but can often end up making this particular woman angry. I don't think a man who is 15 years younger than me should tell me he's proud of me. Unless he is my sober coach or my time travel dad. Older men can <laughs> be sexy coach. and powerful. But when a thrice divorced entertainment attorney puts his bony hand on my knee, I so I'm trying to find the. I thought I was close to the. I don't part know, but that was really entertaining. That was. Ten other guys and I were all hanging out in the green room drinking beers. This ratio is not uncommon in comedy. If you're a woman, you are often the only one or one of two. This chapter is called Let's Build a Park. This is when she starts talking about how Parks and Rec kind of became a thing, and you know, just the the place that she was in her career and all of that. And this is out of her book. Yes, please. That you can get, uh, in your bookstore app or at Barnes and Noble, I'm sure. But anyway, I'll have to find here in a little bit. Do you know if, uh, she was, cause she had gone from SNL to Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. 
Um, as far as I know, I don't think there was an overlap there. I think she had already left SNL, but I could be wrong about that one. I, I do believe she had left um, mm-hmm. at that time. And like I said, she mentions She was mentions a megastar on SNL at the very end when she mm-hmm. she was, every week was, uh, this was back during uh, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin time. Sarah Palin, yeah. Well, no, she was Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah, yes, she, and Tina Fey. Tina, Tina Fey. Tina Fey was Sarah Palin. Russia How can house. I forget that? That's, I mean, that was a classic, iconic character. It was classic. But that was back when SNL was much must-watch television. Sure was. And so, I mean, again, this is NBC, so they put a lot of faith in, uh, you know, office creator uh, Michael Schur and Greg Daniels to start up Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. starring Amy Poehler, who they already knew was a giant star. Yep. So, I get it. I understand it's it. Part near a win-win there, bud. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And according to uh, Wikipedia, immediately after Ben Silverman was named co-chairman of NBC's entertainment division, he asked Greg Daniels to create a new comedy series. He wanted something fresh and new. So Silverman and Daniels previously worked together on The Office, a half-hour comedy. Daniels adapted the British comedy of the same name. Uh, Daniels wrote the pilot for what would eventually become Parks and Rec, along with his series co-creator Michael Schur, who had been a writer on The Office like Mike mentioned before. Daniels and Schur had been considering ideas for a possible show with cast members Rashida Jones, uh, but the concept for the series did not form until they learned Amy Poehler could play the lead character. Once that casting was determined, the script for the pilot episode was written in the summer of 2008, revolving around her as a city bureaucrat seeking to turn an enormous construction pit into a park. They also decided the script would include a mockumentary comedy style, very similar to The Office, and would allow improv on set, which obviously all of these actors, especially Amy Poehler, is famous for. I mean, literally, she's been doing improv for 30 years. Um, However, they did not consider the script uh, an office spinoff for NBC officials. Uh, They 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 considered it at the very beginning. Right. They insisted to media outlets that the show was a completely separate series, despite the similarities between the two shows. Um, Just that mockumentary style, which is relatively new. You know, it's not one of those things that you... It's very, like, niche. Yeah, breaking the the fourth wall there. Right. Very niche the one, way of the shooting. The one thing that The Office and uh, Parks and Rec... And Parks and Rec in the first couple seasons did a really good job of staying... You know, they knew the cameras were there. They mm-hmm. acted like real people with cameras. Right. Later on in the episodes, it gets a little far away from that. Right. You know, they kind of they, they go back and forth, whether we're a documentary or we're a television show. Right. So, and that's cool. And you don't really care. You don't yeah. care. The Office, it makes more sense. So in, in in Amy's book, Yes, Please, she talks about that and about the way that they had decided to film the series in that mockumentary style. And, you know, Greg Daniels had told her at that time, this is great. I would love to do this, but you have to understand that you're going to be giving up Hollywood. You're giving up the hair and makeup touch-ups between shots. You're giving up that great Hollywood lighting. You're giving up those, you know, wide angle shots because the way this is shot two camera is, system. yeah, it's, it's a two camera system that is more or less uh, flowing shots. They're yeah. not, you know, really cut in between very much. Um, and so this was, you know, she, she knew going into this, she was giving all of that up and she was willing to do that just for the, the sake of the show and the comedy. I, lo- I love the way it's filmed because there are times where you you will see the the back of an actor's head mm-hmm. in the middle of a scene, but that's the way it's designed. Yeah, you have two cameras; they set up at different angles, mm-hmm. and then they go over the lines five or six times, mm-hmm. and they get whatever they get. Yep. Yeah. I, I I like that. Yeah, I do too. I love that um, they treat 
especially in the first couple of episodes. Um, but they treat the camera almost like a person. Mm-hmm. At one point, they're so you feel you feel you're pulled yeah. in. You're part of the At show. At one point, they're interviewing Amy Poehler when she's standing in the hallway, and she says something um, like. Uh, whatever, and the camera actually zooms in, and she looks behind her, and she's like, "Oh, what? No, that? No!" But it's almost <laughs> like the camera is a person, you know. And so that's kind of neat to be able to watch it from that viewpoint. It'd be hard to think about it like being being shot like different than what it was, you mm-hmm. know. Like what like it, it that wouldn't have made it. It wouldn't have gave it that dynamic of like, all right, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I love the mockumentary style to it. That's it's it, you know placating to the camera. I think that's neat. Yeah. Um, Spinal Tap, another one. Great, great. <laughs> but you know, speaking. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> Episode one, we come in. Um, we get we get Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope on the uh, playground, and there is a. This is the cold open for the very first episode. There's a drunk stuck in the slide. <laughs> yep. I just love how she gets the broom. This is a squirrel or something. Or something. Yeah, get out of there, boy. This yeah. defines who she is. She is a government bureaucrat, but she's residing to. Cleaning up trash out of a river and getting drunks out of slides. Yep. That's but she her job. feels, I mean, she's very validated in that. She feels noble. I mean, she's out there in her complete suit, her pantyhose, her high heels. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's taking her job very seriously. And she, and if you notice, like, as soon as she gets him out, she turns around with a broom in her hand to, like, the five people standing <laughs> there. And she's like, I did it. And they're like, Yay. <laughs> It's your job. All right. But she does it very nobly. I yes. mean, because that's who Leslie Nope is. But she does everything with her complete nothing, heart. There's nothing beneath her. Right. No. There's no job too big and there's no job too small. She takes all of them very seriously. Which I love. I mean, it's, yeah, a, it's a good, you're, she, good she takes the idea of a public servant to heart. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But that's the cold open of that. And we, you know, hear our favorite intr- entrance music after that. We come back. We, we were, we're in the uh, the Pawnee uh, Parks Department. We're in the actual conference room for the very first time, which yeah. we will be in for many, many, many episodes. A lot. Yeah. This is where we're first meeting some of these other characters. We meet Donna for the first time. We meet uh, Tom Haverford for the first time. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. And which, watching that today... Seeing Donna, she looks completely different. different. So I caught different. that the last time. From, I never paid attention to it, yeah. but it's like you got like this this Susan or this Karen haircut, mm-hmm. and then later on she mm-hmm. just kicks her kicks I her mean, shoes off. You Tom know. Haverford clearly doesn't age. No, he's like a at uh, all. He's he's got he's got a a genie he that does. he keeps. Um, but, but that's a character, by the way, Tom Haverford, that really changes who that character is mm-hmm. through the. I mean, there's a little bit of douchiness in the first episode. But he just goes over the top throughout the seasons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god, it's that it's character changes hilarious. so much. So oh, funny. My <laughs> he's probably one of my favorite <laughs> he's, characters. He's a cutie. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. He's, he's you know, um, oh, I love Tom. <laughs> well, he's just, and, and I don't think that the character lines would be as funny with someone super hunky, super masculine, super Hollywood actor. You know, hot. It only is funny because it's this short, <laughs> this short scrawny little, Indian dude. Yeah, this short Kentucky. little guy mm-hmm. who's obviously, you know, not your stereotypical, you know, hunky model type. And he's saying all of this <laughs> crap about how much <laughs> money he's got, how many women, he, you know what I'm saying? And so it's actually, that's what's so funny is just that irony of those lines coming from Tom Haverford. And it's so funny well they, they set up the uh they set up the town hall meeting leslie's got her first one tonight they got a public forum at a local high school and uh they need a volunteer for a second person to go moderate and nobody volunteers yeah so ron like tom you're doing it yeah <laughs> which by the way ron in the first season wears a suit 
And it's weird. That is weird. Because throughout the rest of the seasons, he does not wear a suit. I just noticed that. I just remembered that. That's very bizarre. And I I love in later episodes when Ron has sex on the show, he always wears the Tiger Woods red. (laughs) Yep. So they always say you can tell when Ron's gotten lucky because he wears red red to work the next day and he's happy. I think that he's like also he came, in he came like into work giving out money. Considerably yeah. good mood, which is hilarious. Good morning, Tom. <laughs> I'm gonna what? start wearing red from now on the day after. Oh my god, that's so. You're funny. almost there. This is salmon. It, what, is, what does <laughs> that mean salmon. though? Is it like a? <laughs> never mind. I got to first out. base. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it means. Slid right into first base. All man. right. So the next one we we end up at a public forum. Uh, they they they're supposed to be in the gym. They get locked out of the gym. Then they go in the gym. Then the, someone cuts the power. So the next thing you know, they end up at, in a local classroom. Yeah. With what about fifteen people? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the, my favorite lines here, like when people get up and start yelling at Leslie, mm-hmm. she utters one of the one of the best lines that describes who she is as a person. And you want to take that one, Hannah? Yeah, it's probably my favorite line in the whole show. Um, it's when it cuts to Leslie and she's giving her, you know, post-conference interview. And she says, um, I like it when people get this passionate. Um, I really feel like they're, they're just caring at me very loudly. (laughs) And so I I feel that so much. Like I, I relate to that so much. So yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, hilarious. And that's definitely who she is as a person. And you know, I don't believe that uh, a lot of public forums are exactly like that but i do believe there's some truth to that as well yeah that's why, were, we, that's why there's not more of them i mean i was about to say if they were like that like they like they portray on the show I, i'd probably consider going to one <laughs> you know? but we meet some of the local people and one of them was talking about uh, it was not a good day for him he got arrested the other day and yeah um there's another one talking about uh, people c- cursing in the park and they're trying to play with their kid and all they hear is f this and f this <laughs> yep <laughs> And then he, he says that profanity over and over again. <laughs> and I just love, like, Leslie's just look at face like, yep, it's a yep, problem. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep. And yep. this is where we meet Ann, Ann Perkins for the first time, played yep. by Rashida Jones. Yeah, Ann Perkins. That's another fun fact. Meow. Fun fact of Rashida Jones, she is the daughter of Quincy Jones. Really? Mm-hmm. Longtime producer, Grammy Award winner. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. So interesting. She, so she has, uh, she has ties to the business. Uh, and so, yeah, we meet Anne, and then we also meet in that same time frame. Time frame, we meet broken leg Andy, <laughs> with both of his legs that are broken. Yep. At, around in that same time, fell into the pit. Yeah, and yeah. and basically says, "Hey, there's a pit next to my house. It needs to be filled in." And Leslie's like, "I'm on it." Leslie's like, "I'm going to turn that into a park. We're going to make it into a park." <laughs> and and so now we have our uh, we have our plot for like the next six episodes. Yeah. The next six yeah. six seasons. Sorry. Right. And they they go off and they come back to it, but the, sure. the 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 pit is always a thing. It's always in the back, always always in the back of the mind. Yep. I'm reading uh, on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's describing the the pilot episode, <laughs> but it's talking about uh, Greg Daniels that they were they were doing some improv, I guess, just kind of filling filling everything out. Um, some parts of the episode were consisted of mix, a mixture, like Mike said, of written dialogue and comedic improv from the actors. In which scene, in such scene, uh, Aziz attempts to flirt with Rashida Jones, and that is actually Tom Haverford's. 
character mm-hmm. when she speaks at a Parks and Recreation public forum. We totally forgot to mention that. That's Whenever a funny he's scene, being dude. super pervy, oh, she's super talking pervy. about things. And, and he's, he's like, like, oh, no, no, I'm married. I'm married. Yeah. yeah. But if you need to get away for a weekend, then just talk about <laughs> I feel like we're wasting too much of their time. Let's just get so, away and talk. But like I said, that would totally not be funny if it wasn't like a super hot, hunky dude. Like, it's hilarious because it's Tom. But yeah, you the know, confidence that he. That he yeah. But you know, we first we first meet Anne there. Though they they drop a lot of character information there yeah. in that short little time frame. One, you learn Tom is married. Yeah. Um, number two, you learn that Anne Perkins is a nurse. She makes sure everyone knows that. Right. And then they make sure that Andy, everyone knows that Andy is a deadbeat musician. Right. So yeah, they if you listen, they do a lot of introduction in the first couple of episodes. Mm. When you meet a character, they almost go ahead and and say here's my life story yeah this is what i am and they have that opportunity with the way that they shot this with the you know the false camera interviews or whatever you know where they're they're talking directly to the camera but um okay so uh the scene was included in the script but tom haverford continued to improv long after his dialogue ended (laughs) and uh jones said that she found it difficult to keep a straight face during filming sure (laughs) encouraged Ansari, who's Tom Haverford's character, to continue and suggested the line in which Ansari asked to go away with Jones for the weekend. <laughs> Daniels called the scene probably the highlight of the plot. The ending included another example of written dialogue mis- mixed with improv when Ansari recited a list of unusual things Leslie had attempted to do while drunk. I had no idea that was improv until right now. Did wow. y'all, y'all oh, remember yeah, that? Yeah. Whenever he's like, uh, she once made out with the mailman. Yeah. And what else was it? It was couple other th- oh gosh it was so funny yeah, in other it, it scenes was, it was after they got their uh, their, their committee and yeah. they were celebrating yeah. right yeah in other scenes the written dialogue was abandoned altogether in favor of the improv such as a scene of Anne and Andy talking on Anne's couch after Leslie fell into the pit and injured herself Chris Pratt improvised a number of other lines and scenes in that episode, including when Andy asked Leslie to pass him his itch stick, which he then used to <laughs> the scratch under stick. his leg cast in an awkward and disgusting way. Um, Dylan, I know that nobody can see you, but can you show us how that looked again? You did yeah, earlier. So he, was, like, uh, yeah. he was like that. <laughs> and then he reached down. Put your pants back on, Dylan. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. Right there. Yep. yep. Oh wow, jelly bean! But yeah, we meet it. We meet Andy uh, in the next scene, and he's got two broken legs, obviously because he fell into the pit. And at this point, we don't know how or why or what. We just know he's actually idiot. happened. He fell into the right, pit. exactly. And, and that he lives with his girlfriend Anne, who takes care of him. And he's kind of a slob, and he's kind of a mess. Um, Leslie goes to Anne's house, and they go and check out the pit. And it's a fact-finding mission. Definitely. And, and she decides she's going to climb into the pit, mm-hmm. and she ends up falling in. Do you guys feel like? That maybe that could have been a little bit on purpose. Oh, really? I mean, come on. Because, you, you know, afterwards they're in Anne's house and she's like, do you, it's broken. And it's she's broken, like, it's my... not broken. And she's like, those... it is broken. Do you have one of those neck brace things? <laughs> and you can just tell <laughs> yeah. that she's really trying to, you know. Because remember, she actually says the line where she's going to take it. She's going to wear the neck brace in and go tell her boss, mm-hmm. you know, that this really is an issue. It happened to me. And so that's also, they snap the photos of her and she goes and, you know, does all that. Um, but according to Wiki2, the pilot, which is the episode we're talking about, includes several political cultural cultural references. Leslie compares herself to um, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who's not the Secretary of State anymore, correct? At that point? N- now she no. is. 
not anymore. No. Okay. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in describing the prevalence of women in government. Mm-hmm. Leslie invokes former U.S. President Richard Nixon and George Bush as shining examples of democracy. The episode also features several references to sports figures. Ron has a poster of Bob Knight. The Bobby Knight. Retired basketball Let's throw some coach. Chairs. No nonsense. Bobby yeah. Knight. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Bobby Knight image that was featured in that episode later had to be removed from the show for legal reasons. And that makes sense. Yeah, so, that guy was uh, that guy was insane. Bobby Bobby Knight's crazy. Yeah. Uh, he, he's the head coach of Indiana, won a national championship at Indiana. Um, had many more stops after that. Uh, there's an infamous video of him throwing a chair halfway across the court. Didn't oh. he headbutt one of his guys too? I think so. He, he, he is custom up and down. And, and of he, course, that's one of Ron Swanson's idols. Oh, absolutely. Professional items, idols because the uh, image is in his office, like at his job. Uh, not part of it at makes home. sense. And then I, I thought about this. Part of the, that makes sense. And part of it doesn't because later on in, with Ron, you realize how much he hates blowhards and mm-hmm. uh, people who are way outspoken. And mm-hmm. and Bobby Knight was that. Bobby, oh, he Bobby was, Knight was a yeah. kind, the of, a, kind of a pompous. At times. But until <laughs> until you get to know Ron Swanson, that's actually the persona he wants you mm-hmm. to perceive of him. He wants to come off as this no-nonsense, tough, you know, hateful type guy. Not hateful, but just like yeah. what you said, where he I, comes I, I off like, like, like he like has Ron's, no emotion, yeah. no care. That's what he wants um, us to believe about him until you get to know him. We, and we have one of the Talking head segments with Ron where he talks about... Uh, what his theory of government should be, and uh, like he 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 would sell off the government to parts, basically to big corporations. And he says he admires the Chuck E. Cheese model. He said, "I'd rather work for Chuck E. Cheese." <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I liked is he's got a shotgun staring straight at the chair right in front of his desk. Yep, he's and like, it's on a swivel too. You can spin it around and point it where yeah. you know. He's like, when people come in to ask for things, they have to look down the barrel of a shotgun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's he has a he has a landmine land too, on yeah. His desk. Which later on we figure out it's yeah. a dud. But spoiler, yeah. spoiler alert. <laughs> Another spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, speaking on that same topic, Leslie has an autograph photo of Indiana-born basketball player Larry Bird on her desk, and it reads, <coughs> "To Leslie, sink that shot, Larry B." Spelling Leslie's name L E S L Y, which is incorrect. Yeah. And huh. it says this is a reference to a deleted scene in which Tom reveals as. He has tricked Leslie into believing he has brunch with Bird once a month. Tom himself actually faked the autograph and deliberately misspelled her name, Leslie, as a joke. Which, once again, apparently that's a deleted. I, I was going to say, I'm not familiar with that. Deleted scene. That's hilarious. That's fantastic. Larry, Larry Bird's a college uh, basketball Hall of Famer. From, you know, we're okay. okay. Yeah, so just crazy. All kinds of, there's so much information about this pilot episode um it got mixed reviews from television critics uh daniel carlson of the hollywood reporter said parks and recreation appears to be a genuinely funny and engaging comedy and that inevitable comparisons to the office are not fair he also said the polar proves instantly she's got the comic intelligence to carry a series like this one and boy did she uh ken tucker of entertainment weekly said the pilot lacked the snap and clear character delineation of the audience of the office, but pointed out that the show also appeared flat in early episodes. Well, I, you were wrong, I'll Mr. Tucker. That. You know what? I, the first couple, it was hard. I, to get I, into. I, I don't. I, I agree. I agree and disagree. Um, it's a, it's it's easy to go back now and appreciate it. Yeah. But if I were watching it live it, for the very first time, I could see it. 
that first the first several episodes are a little hard to get through right. because they don't really hit their stride yet. Right. It's all about character development at that point and the plot development. And that's what this first season, uh, the first episode really is. Mm -hmm. We're getting to know the characters and we're getting to know the plot of the, at least the first season, more going forward. We learn who Andy is. We learn who Anne is. Uh, we learn what Leslie's mission is. Uh, she's going to, she's going to get this pit. I mean, she gets a, she gets a committee. She holds another town hall. She is getting this pit filled in and she's building a park Yeah. by God. That's right. her, that's her mission. And that, that's our plot going forward. That's yeah. basically what the entire pilot episode is. Overall, it seems like reading over some of these uh, comments that were made after the pilot episode premiered from different um, articles uh, throughout, it seems like everyone liked Polar from the beginning. They really liked her character. Uh, there was a lot of criticism over it being so similar to The Office or what people thought it was they were calling it a near knockoff they were calling it uh, non-original <gasps> um there's the only one similarities the only one that i see that is is not liking leslie's character robert bianco said the episode was not funny and the way in which the scripts and supporting cast ridicule and ignore the leslie character leaves a sour whiff of grat gratuitous gratuitous cruelty he also called the pilot an original and described it in a style of style in search of a show despite polar's likability so i'm sorry i read that incorrectly but back to my original comment they really everybody liked that you last know. guy sounds like he's, he'd probably be really boring to hang out with. It just goes to show, I mean, there was no guarantees with this show. I mean, it right. was, they were taking a concept with The Office and applying it to a different uh, format, to a different uh, avenue. And some of it worked and some of it didn't. And they adapted and they moved on. Like I said, I think they kind of got away from the mockumentary style here and there. And I think mm -hmm. that helped the show. Yeah. Uh, but they still came back to it when they needed to. And uh, right. Polar's character, I mean, Leslie Nope, changed so much from these first episodes mm -hmm. to later on. Definitely. Um, she she kind of comes across as ditzy and kind mm -hmm. of uh, like when Anne describes her as doofy. Yeah, doofy. Doofy. Yep. That doofy. very much, yeah, that very much describes the character. And it changes so much throughout the seasons. Yeah. Just like Ron changes. I think it's an interesting dynamic that, you know, Ron's in charge of the Parks and Rec Department, but Leslie's the run one running everything. And Ron, and Ron wants it that way. Ron's like, right. I don't want to do anything. Right. Um, this is one critic that says, Philadelphia Inquirer television critic Jonathan Storm strongly criticized the show, calling it a flat, miscast mess with serious structural issues. What? Storm also said that Leslie's character lacked energy and Polar was playing the part against her comedic strengths. I disagree with that. Um, Tom Shales of the Washington Post said, Polar's show unfortunately isn't worthy of her. It's dry and hesitant. When one longs for it to be uh, crazy and madcap. Da uh, David Hinckley of the New York Daily News said the show uh, was not funny enough to deserve Polar's comedic talents and compared the dialogue to a Saturday Night Live sketch that he said that could not uh, sustain a whole sitcom. <laughs> you were wrong. Wrong. Boom. Uh, but yeah, that overall it had it had relatively good reviews from the first episode. Um, I'd be very anxious to see if anybody watched that in real time. I would like for somebody, and you're more recent than we are. I'd like to somebody who's never seen the show 
I'd like for them to watch this thing episode by episode and get a recap from them and see what they think. Yeah, which maybe our podcast might inspire uh, people to do that in this particular area. Yeah, if you've never watched the show, we'd love a first-time viewer to give us their their input. Absolutely, and we will link our email to uh, this information as far as this podcast is concerned. If you guys want to email us in questions or anything like that, we will we will link that for you. We may have to go create an email. I said, we got to make it first. <laughs> we got to get the gigawatts of following, man. <laughs> oh, send it to our fax machine. It's fun. Yeah, there it you to go. Our, to our pagers. <laughs> to our pagers. You know, Dylan uh, was watching this, and uh, when we met Andy, he started talking about his band and some of the band names, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't come back to that a little bit. Uh Dylan, what kind of names did Andy have for his for his band? Oh my, oh my god, these are fantastic. <laughs> these are awesome. before we recap this thing. I, I, I we got to revisit this. All right, so I'll just go from top to bottom. Lordy, parent teacher conference, PTC, <laughs> parent reaper conference. Uh, you sank my battleship, Six Mouth, Door Number Two, Jump Five, Connect Four, Scarecrow Boat, Tangeray and Sonic, <laughs> uh, Teddy Bear Suicide, Doom Engine Nine, Average Fish, Bear Wolves, Tiger Bear, Dog Bird, Crackle Grackle Yak. Crackle yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. Crackle yeah. Crackle yeah. Cow horse. Uh, and then I mean, I, I can do this all day. It's a it's a lot of them. I think uh, the and as the seasons go on too, like you he'll hear certain things and be like, oh, that's a great band name. Yeah, like <laughs> like sits down to pee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Starship poopers. Toilet daughter. Magnum BM. Asparagus urine smell. Vomit. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Oh man, there's some good Three stuff. Three skin, but formerly four skin, but our bases <laughs> yeah. quit. Uh, and Armstrong's Uniball. Oh my god. Lance's ball. Lance Armstrong's ball. We need to pull this list up for tour next year. Oh my gosh. Yep. Next up we got Armstrong's last ball. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, oh, Louise. Well guys, that's pretty much the pilot episode. Um, yeah. I yeah, again, I I, I don't See, there wasn't a whole lot of progression in this episode. It's just introduction. Yeah, lots of introduction. Um, also notable to mention that this uh, actually aired on NBC April 9th of 2009. So we all wow. need to remember kind of when this show started and that it's obviously not based in current time and current uh, things because there are a lot of um, pop culture references as the show goes on and uh, political references um, as well. Yeah. She actually meets a couple of political figures uh, through that, through this journey as well. But we are excited to get there. We will get there. Eventually. Eventually. Slowly. Eventually. And uh, episodically. That's what we will do. We will get there. Episodically. That sounds like something that you would order from Sonic. <laughs> Or an Italian the, restaurant. I'd like to get the episodic linguine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that's episode one, the pilot. Uh, anything you guys want to add? Is this our pilot? This I, is our pilot episode. This is our pilot episode. We're on autopilot. Are we going to get picked up by NBC? TBD. We'll see if Jetway Radio picks us up for uh, episode two. To be determined. Uh, they are. They are going to pick yeah. us up? Sweet. They already did. That's what that stands for, TBD. You learn something new every day. <laughs> I do. Wow. Episodically. <laughs> Episodically. Thought it had something TBD. to do with Tulsa, didn't you? I don't. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of the airport. Well, TBD. guys, if you've yeah. been, uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, leave us some comments. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. Uh, send us an email on our an, email we haven't created yet. On our fake email. Epistotically. Com. I'm going to go see if all the bacon. I'm going to go see if all the bacon and eggs is um, at Gmail is taken. So oh, my gosh. It better don't be. <laughs> I bet you it probably is. Let's so. hope not. 
But I'm gonna go set us up an email, and we'll get this thing. Uh, we'll get this thing popping off. Email. Email. Fax. Popping. Page. <laughs> Page. <laughs> All right. Nice. Anything else you guys want to add? I think we're good. We'll catch you for uh, episode two coming up. Dose. The next episode, we will continue with our uh, with the pit. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Why is this not playing? What? Oh, I had it turned down. <laughs>